Independently for Excellence with your host, Victoriously Speaking, also known as Nicole Benton, Licensed Professional Counselor. Do you sometimes feel that nobody understands what you are going through and that others do not share your personal struggles? You may be surprised. Today, you will listen and learn from the stories and our testimonies on the program. Now, here is your host, Victoriously Speaking. speaking and welcome to life radio where we aim to live independently for excellence brought to you by hearts to nourish hope i am so glad that you joined us today you know last week uh ended the poverty or the for the love of money for the root of all evil series and we talked about being hood rich you know and and it's very strategic how i do these things because um, I want to thank my guests, Sadan Long and Rossi Eason and Magic the Big Homie. You know, you can always go on my page and check out their sites, you know, if you want to reach them. But um, one of the things we talked about was, you know, the things that we listen to. Um, who told you that? You know, if no one ever said that you were poor, stupid or ugly, what would you think about yourself? How did, you know, somebody or what somebody said, affect your beliefs today. And everything that I talk about is about what we believe in. Because what we believe in is ultimately how we move. You know, our our beliefs fuel our thoughts and our thoughts fuel our, you know, fuel our actions. And so I had to end my pilot with the last series about the military because it's a big part of me. And so this is the next series for those who served and i have a couple of guests with me including i uh my new manager even though he didn't know he was my manager i brought him <laughs> back in his name is charles mcintosh is in here in the house hey, say hi charles hey <laughs> <laughs> and um i have miss Lashawn garth Lashawn, you there i am here how are you and for those of you who have been with me since I started, LaShawn was my first guest in November, <laughs> November 6th. So I'm really glad that you came back. I told you I was going to bring you back for this series. <laughs> glad to be back. Yes, yes, ma'am. And then I also have um, my homeboy from Gary, Indiana. You know, see, all of us had to leave Gary. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. <laughs> but uh, my homeboy, Micah, Micah Williams, say hello. How you doing? How you doing, everybody? Yes. And so, unfortunately, LaShawn, you was Army, right? I was Army, yes. Okay, 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 good. Because I didn't want to be feeling like, wait, matter of fact, because I want to make sure I show everybody on Facebook my U.S. Army hat. Because hey, I, hey, hey. I even got my shirt on. Like, I was, like, ready for today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and because I knew I was going to be around these Navy folks. I, I Something happened to them. I don't right. know. They was on a boat for too long or something. Right. <laughs> I don't know. But let's, just, uh, let, let's talk about. Um, Mike, I'll start with you since I started with LaShawn first. Like, could you tell me a little bit about your, you know, who you are, what you do, your time in the service and all that good stuff? Uh, for sure. Uh, my name is Michael Williams. We know that. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, and um, I joined the Navy back in 1989. 
and uh, I did 20 years as a flight engineer and a jet mechanic, um, stationed in numerous numerous locations. Um, but my highlight was definitely when I lived in Italy. Uh, that was definitely a life-changing experience. Okay, we're going to talk about that a little later. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah, LaShawn, let's talk about, <laughs> tell us about you and your time. Um, so I went in January 15th, 1991 um, into the Army. I originally was enlisted. I ended up commissioning, and I was a military police officer, and I did 20 years as well in a tour over in Iraq. Oh, wow. Look, Micah, you did tours? I thought yes, I saw that. Iraq, um, Afghanistan, um, El Salvador. Hmm. And, you know, when we're on a nuclear carrier, we can go everywhere. So Yeah, because I'll be on them boats too long, too. Yeah. I don't know. Some people... Ships. Can you say ships? <laughs> I, I don't know. They look like boats. Anytime you put black people on a boat, I get scared. I don't know. I'm just not going to do that. I'm sorry. Um, that's why I don't do cruises. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't do them either. I get sick. <laughs> Right, right. So, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about in this segment was that, you know, why did we go in? Okay. Um, yeah, why did we go into the military? I know why I went in, but I want to hear about you guys first. Who you want to go LaShawn. first? Go ahead, LaShawn. I went in because basically I was forced to go in. My dad thought I was acting a fool out there in the real world, which I was. And... um decided that I needed to go get my life in order and sign me up to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how and I you, went. I didn't want to go. I remember you saying you was a preacher's kid too, right? Yes, you exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know how that go, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say, you know. I don't know. They acting up, so she had to get sent off. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it, you know, ended up being the best thing that could have happened to me. So thank my dad. Rest in peace. Cool. Why my dad was my... um, military as oh. well. He was in the army. Oh, he so. was. Oh, okay. That's cool. What about you, Micah? Well, I mean, I just went in. I mean, from tenth grade, eleventh grade, I just knew I wasn't that college. I wasn't in that college mentality right away. So. That's because you went to Westside. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> go ahead. But yeah, and I, I wasn't really at the time focused on college, and um, a lot of my friends were focused on college, but a lot of my friends was also focused on on the military. So mm-hmm. um, I figure I'd go in, um, you know, see what I like, uh, pick up a trade, and just move forward in life you know see I didn't know I was gonna do 20 years but uh-huh. uh, it was fun um, exciting and definitely a, an, an experience yeah. hmm. see, me and Mike have a totally different perspective <laughs> <laughs> yeah we kind of gonna talk about that in a minute um, <laughs> right uh, so you know for me I um I, well, I kind of talked about this the last show. How I, well, no, I talked about why I left Gary. I left Gary because things were a little crazy for me. Mm. And a friend of mine was in the Army um, and in Colorado, uh, Aurora, Cal- Colorado. And, um, and so I told her, like, you know, I need to get out of Gary. I, uh, you know, 
So she was like, come on out here and stay with me. So I, I lived in Colorado for a year and I'm around nothing but military. I'm around Army and Air Force at the time. And um, I thought you said you were around around military. And, okay. And so, <laughs> so as I was saying, I'm around the military and I'm looking at their lifestyle. I'm over here working my tail off. And I'm looking at them and they partying and it just didn't seem like they worked as hard. I don't know what it was. But anyway, in my mind, I was tired. I was like, I really didn't like what I was doing because at that time I didn't know really what I wanted to do. I just knew I learned how to uh, I was an electrical engineering student and I had got my associates in electrical engineering technology. So I was actually making, uh, you know, you know, like the fish tanks, the heaters. The little mm. things I was putting together, the little circuit things. I, all I did was like an assembly line almost. It was okay. solder. So, I mean, it was a decent job. It was downtown Denver. It was cool. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to join the Army. So, I joined in Denver. Mm. Wow. And it was, so, it was really easy. To, you know, like, they ain't, it was so laid back. They ain't even, like, when we had to do the, your analysis, nobody came in the bathroom with you. It's unlike, <laughs> like, when you it was very, it was so laid back and easy, you know what I mean? And so that's how I joined. And um, I remember, you know, going, you, you know, I already had this kind of preconceived notion about it because I had family in it. And now, Micah, did you have family in the military too? Uh, yes. What branch? Army. Oh, okay. See? Oh, so they went the right way. He, just <laughs> he, he didn't even say that one. He's like, you know, you should have saw a look on his yeah, face. My he brother like, <laughs> was in the National Guard, you know. He, uh -huh. That's not really the Army. But, I mean, he, he did some work. Okay. Some work. All right. All right. But, um, uh, you know, you had this kind of preconceived notion. What did y'all think before y'all went into the military? What was your thoughts? So, for me, I, I, I really didn't have a concept of it at all. You know, my dad, when he was in, I wasn't even born. So I was not like a military brat or anything like that. I I had no concept. And then I grew up in Detroit. Wasn't no military around there. And, you know, so my whole concept when I got there, I, I really don't know how my mindset was. I wasn't accepting authority very well. It was, you know, funny to me. I was always in trouble. I mean, my first, <laughs> first few months in the military were just awful because I was just so opposed to being there. Okay. Wow. Wow. What was your, you were about to say something, Charles. Well, I was going to say, um, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not a PK, but I went into the military because I had no other choice. My mom told me when I made 17, at 18, you getting out of here. So you better pick a choice where you going, college, mm -hmm. find a job, whatever. And I didn't know what I was going to do. But what I did find was girls. Oh, okay. And that ruined my whole life. I fell in love and uh -huh. my mom was on me constantly. Yeah, you ain't going to have no kids. You're not going to do this. And then one day I came in late and um, she had told me being at, I think it was 930, something like that. I came in like 10 minutes late. Mm -hmm. And she said, um, you ain't going to be just doing what you want to do. Mm -hmm. And my dad was real quiet. He's ex-military. He was an army. Okay. And um, since I was a kid, my dad taught us how to do the squares on the bed and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Shine our shoes, spit shine. So I always thought that was an alternative. But my thing was playing basketball. Then when I found out my grades weren't going to work, my dad was like, um, you got to figure something out. My mom's like, oh, I'm going to bust you in your head. You don't watch your mouth. <laughs> I said, no, I ain't got to live here. <laughs> 
And so right. me and my dad got into a little physical altercation. Oh. I disappeared for a few days. Uh-huh. When I came back, I had my paper said, they told me I'm 17. You can sign and let me in the military. And my mom yeah. was like, no. And my dad was like, give me the damn paper. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's what paper. my dad did. Signed it when I was 17. Well, that's a triple threat because I went in also when I was 17 as well. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I love school. I just, my mom was like, if you're not going to do what I tell you to do, you need to be gone. So, mm. Mm, hey, mm, mm. I was gone. That's that's cool. What about you, Micah? Um, I don't know. I mean, my perception was, um, you know, you saw some of the movies, some of the shows on TV about the perception of the military and uh, the hard work, the the battling, the training leading up to to possibly battles. Mm-hmm. So it was just, uh, I don't know. That was that was my perspective from the outside, but. Um, what actually made me really choose the profession that I did or my job once I got in is uh, we had that small airport in Gary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see the little small planes, little Cessnas flying. And, mm-hmm. you know, I had never up until that point uh, going to boot camp. I had never been on a plane. Um, but when it came time to choose my profession, um, I'm talking to the guy for, who's giving out the, the jobs or whatever. And. He's naming this on a boat or ship. He's naming this profession. No, you profession. said it right. <laughs> you said it right. <laughs> then, you know, he said um, we have aviation and, uh, uh-huh. you know, the planes and the mechanics and different stuff like that. And, you know, flight engineer, air crewman, all different types of things. So mm-hmm. that picked out us right there. You, you just know? thought it was cool. Yeah, they do a good selling job at the recruiting yeah. office. They told me we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, like, oh, we're gonna talk yeah. about that in a little bit. I don't know. I, my perception always it really came from my grandfather because my grandfather was in the military. He was in the Korean War, and um, you know, he would always tell stories. And, and what's crazy is like because my granddaddy really didn't talk that mm-hmm. much, but when I joined the military. Um, it was like we became really close, I guess, because we had something in common. Right. So so my perception really came from him. My uncle was in. I know my dad was in, you know, um, and I, I don't you know, I was able to kind of look at it, like I said, because I was in Colorado around all these soldiers and airmen. And it just seemed so cool. I was like, you know, I could do this because I really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I, I had all these different things that, you know, because when you're talented. You have all these choices. No, I'm just playing. Uh, so, no, but really, you know, I knew I always wanted to help people. I just didn't really know what I wanted to do. And when I right. went to Purdue and did electrical engineering, it was because I was good at math and science. It just, But I was like, yeah, but I'm not introverted. Y'all are all weird. Like, it just didn't work for me. So anyway, <laughs> that's kind of that's kind of what happened in, in mine. And so when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about like what actually happened when we went to basic training. And um, those things. <laughs> I, whew, I know we got some stories. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're getting ready to take a break. Um, come on back and listen to us. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com 
Reconciliation Movement is a nonprofit 501c3 charitable organization. It helps youth and families with education and community resources, promoting self-awareness, mental health, and drug and alcohol recovery. Reconciliation needs help with providing these resources for youth and families. Reconciliation accepts and is in need of donations and professional services to no and low-income families to prepare them for independence through health and education. Visit the reconciliationmovement.org. Victoriously Speaking has over 20 years of experience in human services. She is a licensed professional counselor, a motivational speaker, writer, performer, and community advocate. Book Victoriously Speaking for your next event or take advantage of the workshop she has to offer. Victoriously Speaking is all about teaching life and learning to live independently for excellence, free from fear, anger, and our doubt. For more information on these programs or to book Victoriously Speaking, call 404-969-5661. That's 404-969-5661. Hearts to Nourish Hope has been a leader in Clayton County for over 22 years. As a nonprofit, our goal is to expand and continue to be a one-stop community resource center that equips youth with the tools they need to achieve their goals. From our education and career training programs to our youth-operated food pantry, all of Hearts programs are designed to empower participants to improve the lives of their families and the community. Would you like to volunteer or need more information on how to participate? Please visit heartstonourishhope.org. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Today it seems everywhere I go trouble's chasing me. You are listening to Life Radio. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at reconciliationmovement.org. Now, back to Life Radio. Here again is Victoriously Speaking. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are in here talking about for those who for those who serve salute to my soldiers and marines and airmen and all them other ones not just a job right right okay so I wanted to talk about Kind of like when we went into basic training or boot camp or whatever you called it. And um, did any of it kind of dispel what you thought about the military when you first went in? So, I mean, literally, my 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 um, my point of reference was MASH and, you know, Gomer Pyle and Hogan (laughs) Heroes. So it was really a joke to me. So when yes. I went in and, you know, you got these drills, because when I went in, they were still yelling at you. Right. Mm-hmm. We all had them Cussing stress cards. The hell? Who mm-hmm. does that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. it was still the real, the real, real back when I came in. Mm-hmm. And they were yelling and screaming and everybody was so uptight. And I was just like, what is really going on? This is too hilarious to me. <laughs> and that's when I got my reputation for being this like nonchalant, 
uh-huh. you know, private who who didn't care. Right, right. Yeah, I kind of just to piggyback. I don't, I don't know. I think because, like I said, my granddaddy told me so many stories. In my mind, I knew that it was a mind thing. This is kind of right, really why I wanted to talk about right. this because I had pulled up some articles. I got one on a basic training guide that talked about, you know, mental preparation and how, you know, it's things that you must know, drilling ceremony and your ranks and your general orders and all that stuff. Um, but what was interesting, what I found, it talked about, I, well, I found this article. And it says how and why military basic training brainwashes recruits. <laughs> and so... <laughs> It was saying that, uh, you know, everything is consciously and systematically designed uh, for mind control. (laughs) And it was talking about how, you know, recruiters acted like used car salesmen that wrangled people into promising them things and how their dreams are going to come true (laughs) and um, all the rewards and things. And really, you know, once you get in, it's more like you become this autopilot is what it says. And um, it said the point of basic training is to break down the recruits sense of identity and indoctrinate them to base their identity on their membership within the military. And that is it is in a lot of ways that's true. You don't think about that when you're in there. <laughs> right. And so it's kind of like it's crazy. But, yeah, Michael, let's hear from you. What about your uh, experience? I mean, actually, my military boot camp experience Started with my parents, actually, because, <laughs> you know, they were strict and we called my mama. Her nickname was the warden. <laughs> so going in, you know, it, it quickly, I just sat back and I noticed that those who didn't listen or who talked back to the um, company commanders, as we had in the uh, Navy, um, they were always in trouble. All right. So if you just I just, quick day one, day two, if you just listen mm-hmm. and follow you know, the instructions, mm-hmm. that was fine. But it was it was just, it was a different aspect, a dis- different atmosphere as far as um, the, the working out, the, mm-hmm. the punishment, quick re- punishment, um, the waking up at oh dark 30, zero three in the morning, getting it in. And it, it was just up front, just a different, different world right there. But is different for males and females and I'm going to tell you this because Elishan you agree with me? Absolutely because yeah. let me tell you look, I was listening <laughs> to what you said about the indoctrination thing that never uh-huh. happened which is probably why I was always in trouble um, because I could <laughs> never lose you know my individuality my identity and I never meshed you know yeah. in with the, with the group like that so you know, for me, I was still, you know, it, it was all about boys for me. I was always sneaking out or I was trying to, oh, you know, flirt with a permanent huh? party. Oh, yeah. And then I ended up getting a permanent party boyfriend who always just put me on details with him so I wouldn't have to go do nothing with everybody else. Yeah, you was one of them. We had quite a few, though. But you was at Fort Jackson? Yes, I was. Okay. Uh, you wasn't <laughs> one of those roof people, were you? Uh, I didn't have to go to the roof. Oh, that's right. Cause oh, oh, you wasn't one of them. <laughs> yeah, I ain't, I ain't have to go to the roof. I, I, I actually had a little step up. You know, my, my little man had a. Okay, had a, so yeah, had a for room. me, I guess. Uh, I got in trouble a lot too. I th- I thought my name was Drop King. I did so many push-ups, it was ridiculous. And uh, 
because they would say stuff to me and because I knew it was a mind thing, I would be like, oh, Drew, sorry, that ain't true. And so they'd be like, what you say? You said that? And I'm like, oh, well, damn, I, I, know, I was just telling you, I know it wasn't true. So, and they just, you know, they thought I was a smart aleck. But I never really get, like, because, you know, with the women, we, we they fight a lot. I'm going to say they because I didn't. I used to just look at people like they were crazy. Um, and... <laughs> It was like one of those things, but you always had somebody kind of hitting on you from the drill sergeants to the instructors to the because I know I had this captain that constantly every time I couldn't even go to every time we went to the uh, chow hall. uh, (laughs) He would make me do push ups and this went on the whole entire time I was in basic training. And when I graduated, he made his point to come up to me. And he was like, where are you going, King? And I was like, oh, I'm going to be here because I I'm, I went to school also there. I was 71 Lima. And uh, he was like, oh, well, here's my number. And I looked at him like he was crazy because I was like, "What, sir, why are you giving me your number? And he was like, why do you think I always had you on the ground? It's like fifth grade. I'm going to punch that girl. Are you serious? <laughs> are you serious? You had me doing all those push-ups because you want like to, you know, you. look at me? I like like it was just, but when I think Check about yes stuff like no. that, I mean, that's, yeah, that's yeah. to me, that's where it started because as time went on, when we had our little breaks, like everything to me seemed to be like one big party if you wasn't working. And I'm saying it nicely because for the females, it was almost like, you know, we were constantly being hounded about things. And that's why now, if you go to the VA, the first question they ask you, well, did you have sexual harassment? Did anybody rape you? Did anybody? And you'll be looking at them like, what? But you realize that these things happen quite a bit. You know, when I got to my first duty station, it wasn't until I was getting ready to leave where everybody told me, like, yeah, we were betting who would sleep with you first, but you, I guess you didn't like none of us. I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> I didn't realize that. I think that's the one thing that kind of threw me off the most in the military. I'm going to put it to you this way. My military boot camp was not, was a disappointment because I came in gung-ho. When my dad told me I couldn't do what the man told me to do because mm-hmm. I couldn't do what he told me. So I'm going to show you. So I came in ready to do 20 years when I walked through the door. And then I was mad because they put me in special units so I didn't have to do no exercising hardly. I didn't have to go through all that other abuse and stuff because we played instruments and we did the, the, uh, the honor guards and all that for every ceremony. So mm-hmm. I was there extra three to four weeks Path before and after my due date to do that. Mm-hmm. So my thing was I was mad telling people I thought we was gonna do push-ups because I was 130 pounds wet. <laughs> I wanted to be have muscles. I wanted to be built, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't making us exercise as much. So when I left, I had an attitude. Got to my duty station, and that's when my trouble started because I ran into all the rednecks, and everything started from that point on. And being from Chicago, I don't respond to a lot of boy stuff it bothers me so uh-huh. every time that happened there was always an incident with me and they called me the rebel through my whole wow. first part of my uh-huh. navy career the rebel guy really Mr. soldier my Mr. nickname Soulmate. was sister soldier for yeah. some reason i don't know why because you know i'm really a, a, a i'm really a very um you know uh meek person i mm. you know I, my mouth i don't know why they call me sister soldier i don't know i wonder uh, why i don't know i don't know LaShawn, <laughs> you wonder i don't know That's crazy I, my nickname in the military was chill c-h-i-l-l and i got that when we were stationed um we was actually in bahrain during the persian gulf war and um from the air base we was at we could see um some of the scud missiles coming in and we were shooting the Patriot missiles out to intercept them. Mm-hmm. And I remember this guy from Texas. Um, 
last name Ramirez. You know, we had adults breaking down, crying. Well, I was an adult too, but mm-hmm. not as old as them. Okay. But we had people breaking down, crying because they could see the missiles. But I remember I had my little Sony disc, man. Mm-hmm. Everybody had one back in the Better day. way of coping. I had that on, and this dude said, "Man, you're not sweating nothing." You know, and I'm like, you know, I was just. He said, "You just chilling." He said, "That's your name, Chill Will," and it stuck with me, and that's. You know, throughout my name. Well, my name was the problem child. (laughs) (laughs) So it's so funny because my sergeant at my first duty station, he's here um, in Georgia, rather, in Atlanta now. And he saw me um, years later from I was a private when he was my um, squad leader. And then he saw me after I got commissioned and everything. And so we stayed in contact, and for his retirement, I went to his retirement, which was a couple of months ago, and he told the story about how he was always in the first sergeant office with me because I was always in trouble. Mm. And that was my name, the problem child. They, did you I get Article stay 15? Trouble. Did you get Article 15? I sure did. Wow, you was really yeah. bad. <laughs> I remember. I had uh, Article 15. I had extra duty. They had me painting. <laughs> I was always in trouble. Some I'd always doing something. I, you know, I remember one time because my mouth got me and a couple other people in trouble, and we <laughs> were going to the field, and they made us. Uh, I can't remember. Was it flank when you in the push up position? You just holding mm-hmm. it. And um, these ants, you know, we was in South Carolina. These ants was going over our hand, and we couldn't move. And we trying to tell drill sergeant like these ants is biting us. Like right, we need did. to move. And so he was, he was like, I don't care since y'all are so yeah. smart, you know, whatever. And I was like, whatever, well, yeah, I'm getting up because I'm like, you gonna do what you gonna do, you know. <laughs> and other other young ladies, they just sat there and took it, but they they messed around, ended up having to go um, to sit call because they had so many red ants. Bikes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was bad because I wasn't going to do it because it's just certain stuff because I was like, you know, we out here playing soldier like, but I ain't going to sit here and get bit up by no ants. And Oh, well, you get people killed. No, because if I was in that situation do you know where I'm from? I'm from Gary. No, you know it's so, it was like, <laughs> I know how to duck a bullet, fool. Um, right. And so, <laughs> it was just one of those situations where I, I get what you're saying because, but what, one of the things that I was taught was how to be tactful in the military. I, I had this drill sergeant pull me aside and said, you know, I could tell you smart, but you need to learn how to be tactful. And that's the best thing somebody could have ever told me because, like, I like to this day, I can cuss you out and you wouldn't even figure it out until a week later. And um, <laughs> But it all came from understanding what being tactful was, you know. And so the military talks a lot about respect and values and work ethic and, you know, building relationships and your buddy and how we're supposed to have our buddies' backs and all these various things. And when you think about the mindset of the military, you know, what what type of mindset do you have to have? Because I know for me, I've always I think I was I think I've always been strong minded. You know what I mean? But like when you go into the military, it, it adds something to. I think it adds something to us. I don't know what y'all think. Mm, I, I don't know. If you accept it, I think. Yeah, because when I my first set was when I was on the ship and everything. I, I volunteered for everything. Fire Etsy fire party rescue team. Mm-hmm. It was just me everywhere. So. When I got out, because I was always seeking that thrill. So when I got out, I was kind of just found out the day I got out, my wife was pregnant. 
and they wouldn't let me back in unless I did a big tour. So mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? This guy said, how would you like to join a SEAL unit? And I was like, for real? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. You. And at that time, I had got my muscles. I was like, yeah, I'm ready. He's like, well, you know, um, we at peacetime and in you know, a few things out there, you really won't have to do much but shoot guns, you know, have fun. I was like, for real? So I joined it, and everything you're talking about, the mud, the dirt, mm-hmm. I got into, which is not normally Navy. So doing that type of stuff toughened me up and made me understand that I had to rely on myself. And that's the one thing I didn't do before. My dad, my mom, they was looking bad, but they took care of me. They made sure I was, okay, my mom would wash my clothes, fold them, put them on the bed. Mm-hmm. I got in the military. I messed up a lot of clothes with bleach and <laughs> detergent and all that stuff. But right. it, it gave me a sense of independence. So when I came out, even my dad said mm-hmm. he could see the difference in me personally because I was a lot stronger, a lot more independent. And I could think for myself. And that kind of transitioned me. The military gave me more than just the resilience to stand on my own. It made me research after going to uh, everywhere from Cuba to Africa to uh, Venezuela. All that stuff made me realize after watching other people, the difference in people's, uh, like you say, with poverty. You don't know you're poor until somebody with a big car and a big house come by. You go, wow. Right. We don't have that. Right. And that that's basically what the military opened my eyes to a lot. Everything from religion to the camaraderie. It will because people, you meet everything. so many people. It's, it's a cultural it. thing. It is. And I and that's the one thing I did like about the military was being able to uh meet and go all these different places and just, you know, emerge myself in all these different cultures. But the military in a lot of ways kinda traumatized me too because I learned about how people really thought about the US. Mm-hmm. And when you're that young mm-hmm. and you go places and they talk about the country that all you thought was you was the best place for everybody to go. And you realize that people really don't like you like that was traumatizing for me mm-hmm. at 20, you know, 19, 20 years old. I went to Africa and they they called us eight ball and I couldn't figure out what that was. Mm-hmm. And people in Africa and in the Virgin Islands were insulted when I would say, hey, brother, I'm not your brother, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what's up to you? And the guy said, the reason they call you eight ball, because you blacks are the ones that don't fit anywhere. You're like the eight ball on the pool table. Wow. You're by yourself on that big green mass. Oh. Just, wow. Their, their results were we should have committed suicide and died instead of becoming slaves. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, I went through a lot. Like I said, I, I did a lot of discovery while I was out there, which is why yeah. I'm like I am now. But that in turn told me how it was because. Anywhere from Israel, they on their beaches, they got dead goats in the water, but they're out there playing in the water. And I'm like, ew. <laughs> right. You know, right. They don't mind. They're right. just out there playing. But so we, in the United States, we have that, yeah. that comfort, and we don't understand what other people are going through. But we got right. two minutes, so great. What, what you got to say, Micah? I don't know. I mean, it was, I, I just say it was definitely a culture experience, and, and you know, meeting people from different backgrounds, from P.I. the Philippines to people who lived in Nebraska and never been exposed to mm-hmm. different cultures or people who look like me. Exactly. So, you had um, some of those too. You had people just, you, I just love it because it was a mixture of, of everyone's, the, the thought process you hear from, you know, you got 10 different friends and, and they have nine different backgrounds and right. they look at everything differently. And yeah. just learning from each other. That that's been that was hot. That's cool. But you gotta be able to embrace that. And everybody doesn't have that mentality. We're gonna talk a little bit about that um after this next break. But it, it I think that was the, you know, and I <laughs> that I think that was the good thing. But you gotta be a 
I, I really think you have to go into it with the right mindset of understanding that, you know, this is how I'm going to survive at this moment rather than because there were so many people that just didn't make it for different reasons. But we're going to go ahead and take this break and we'll be right back. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Reconciliation Movement is a nonprofit 501c3 charitable organization. It helps youth and families with education and community resources, promoting self-awareness, mental health, and drug and alcohol recovery. Reconciliation needs help with providing these resources for youth and families. Reconciliation accepts and is in need of donations and professional services to no and low-income families to prepare them for independence through health and education. Visit the reconciliationmovement.org. Victoriously Speaking has over 20 years of experience in human services. She is a licensed professional counselor, a motivational speaker, writer, performer, and community advocate. Book Victoriously Speaking for your next event or take advantage of the workshop she has to offer. Victoriously Speaking is all about teaching life and learning to live independently for excellence, free from fear, anger, and our doubt. For more information on these programs or to book Victoriously Speaking, call 404-969-5661. That's 404-969-5661. Hearts to Nourish Hope has been a leader in Clayton County for over 22 years. As a nonprofit, our goal is to expand and continue to be a one-stop community resource center that equips youth with the tools they need to achieve their goals. From our education and career training programs to our youth-operated food pantry, all of Hearts programs are designed to empower participants to improve the lives of their families and the community. Would you like to volunteer or need more information on how to participate? Please visit heartstonourishhope.org. We're on Facebook, along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. Today it seems everywhere I go, chasing me. You are listening to Life Radio. To reach our show today, call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at reconciliationmovement.org. Now, back to Life Radio. Here again is Victoriously Speaking. thing as much as I did really wanted to I should say because I don't know I started listening to everybody's stories and then I started thinking about a lot of stuff and how and and, and like I said the military did traumatize me for various reasons um and I think it did for a lot of people and you know and like I said it's either gonna make you stronger or it's gonna break you down and I don't you know it's, it's really weird when you get you know you see the uh different people um charles was just talking about like you know you got these big old guys and you in a situation all of a sudden they break down crying and you like what you doing you know <laughs> and just those situations because it, it, it is a mental thing and it's and like we said earlier it starts from the time that you hit basic training and if you don't really and this is why i really want to talk about it if you don't really stay true to who you are 
And I'm, you know, one example I'm gonna give. I'll never forget this. When I was in Bosnia, this um, E6 who was running, we was in a talk and he was doing like um, the paperwork for something. I can't remember, but he was messing up. Now I was an E3 at the time, and. They were like, well, King, we want you. One of the colonels came to me and said that he wanted me to. They sent him on leave and they wanted me to go in his office and go through his stuff. So I I looked at the colonels like, you you want me to do what? And he was like, I want you to go in there and I want you to look through his stuff. So I stood in parade rest and I was like, sir, uh, I don't mean no disrespect. I'm like, but that's not right. Like, I'm not going to do that, you know. And he get I never forget it because he he looked like Popeye, and he gave me this little weird crooked smile, and he just turned away and he walked off. And he got this guy that I respected. I'm talking about this E7 because uh, I went to church with him and his wife when we was in the rear, and um, he ended up doing it. He was a sergeant first class, and he did it. Went in there, found all kind of stuff. So then when the E6 came back from the R and R, they fired him. And gave me his job. And so then he thought that I was the one that went and did it. And so now he looking at me and I'm looking like, well, wait a minute, I took up for you. You know what I mean? And I was I never forget that. But it was a lesson for me because I had several situations like that in the military as far as holding on to my integrity. Because I had a drill sergeant before I went off who told me because we used to have our own church because they didn't have they only had Catholic services and basic training. Mm. And he told me that I'm going to have a hard time in the military because I can't um, serve. God. I'm going to be asked to do things that goes against my faith. Mm-hmm. And that stuck with me because the whole time I was in and I and people asked me to do things that I felt. Well, that's why I got the name Sister Soldier, because I told them, no, I was polite about it. I stood at parade rest. I'm not going to do it because that's unethical. And I, I think that's what kept me. You know what I mean? So, like, what type of things you think kept you? Because a lot of people don't make it in the military and stay, and stay kept for those reasons. Because you get this mindset, you know, you got to follow orders. You got to do this no matter what. And then, you know, you will get asked to do things. Now you're going against yourself. And that's what messes with people's heads. I don't know. What y'all think about that? You know, nobody ever thought, especially me, thought I would make it 20 years just because I was such a rebel. And then... I thought maybe that um, once I got commissioned, life would get easier because I didn't think officers did anything. And so (laughs) I was all about not doing nothing. Mm -hmm. But what I found was it made me feel just the opposite. And you, there are a lot of things that, especially when you're in certain positions, that will come at you. And... Um, I remember having to do a 15-6 on someone, and it was really pushed that we got to find something. we got to find something because they wanted to get rid of this person. And I was like, I'm not going to stack the deck against this person or make up things just because y'all want to get rid of them. And, you know, sometimes you just have to make the decision whether, you know, it can, um, in your career, you know, because a whole bunch of things could have happened to me in my career. You know, I could have got bad evaluations, et cetera. But you have to take that, that 
moment and say, you know, am I going to go left or am I going to go right? And it really can change, you know, the, the pattern of your life if you make the wrong decision. And that's, that's key. I think that's really key. I think that all of us have seen that. I think that, um, you know, when you got these soldiers and Marine and everybody coming back and they not the same. And it, it ain't even just because they might not even did a tour, or uh, you know, at Iraq or nothing like that. It's just because of some of the experiences that you go through because you do do things that go against who you are. And people do it. It's a tribal mentality. It really is. What you think, Micah? I see your brain um, moving. I mean, yeah, it's been situations where you had to <clears throat> bend the rules for certain reasons. Um, especially, I just related to my aviation experience to where you might see something in the book to say do A, B, and C, but you guys got a mission that it has to get off the ground or it's going to affect the lives of thousands. Mm -hmm. So you might have to make it work, quote unquote. So it's a lot of, a lot of situations like that. But as far as, like you said earlier about what made people make it through or like um, your other speaker said, she didn't know she's going to do 20. A lot of times it's about how you look at it. Um, a lot of people look at the military as a job. And, you know, for me, once I got to a certain part, right on that eight-year mark, it was like, all right, it's not too bad. But at the time, I didn't have my college degree. I said, so if I'm going to get out, I at least need that. Plus, they were paying for it. Mm -hmm. I looked at it. Because right. the military, as we all know, they're going to get everything out of you. Mm. They're going to get as much work as they can out of you. Um, so I, I just made it that point at that time. You know hey, that? I'm going to get everything I can out of them. I'm mm -hmm. going to get that degree, which I did. Mm -hmm. And, you know, retiring at the age of 37, not too bad. But that's because you had you had uh, and it's sort of an insight. A lot of folks don't. They just ride day to day. Yeah. When I that's got true. to special units, this was the motto, the right way, the wrong way, the Navy way and the command way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's about right. So you had to figure out which one which you were way? going about. Yeah, which rules you were following on any given day, and you better pick the right one because the wrong one is going to get you in trouble. I've been locked up once for um, what they call uh, aggravated assault, but it wasn't you, as deep you, as you they said. Just, I was trying, boy, <laughs> it just wasn't what they said. Uh -huh. It just it was a it was a misunderstanding. Right. But uh -huh. um the, the thing about it is I, I had to learn and I used these these through life because like I said, my dad was felt that I was one of those kids and I was I was just so mouthy. I just I, you could tell me the sky was blue and it could be blue, but I would fight you that it's gonna be gray. Because mm -hmm. I just had to be what I wanted it to be. Right. And then as I got older and I came out, my dad used to say, you know, you'd be surprised at what you'll learn if you just shut up. Mm -hmm. And one day I went horse teaching, uh, uh, coaching summer basketball. So I had two weeks. I couldn't do that because that. Mm -hmm. And so I had to listen. And it was amazing what I found out about the people around me during that two weeks. And it dawned on me, like my dad said, I give you the information. It's up to you what you do with it. Right. You just can't say I never told you. But that's kind of how I looked at the military. I, You know, when I first went in, I'm going to tell you something. When I was in Gary, before I left Gary, um, Farrakhan was at the Genesis. And I don't even know why I went. I can't remember. But I know I went. And he made the comment about don't ever take uh, what people tell you. Make sure you find out for yourself. Mm -hmm. for, and for some reason, that always kind of stuck with me. And 
when I got into the military, it was like, okay, I better learn the rig. So I did. And I better learn my job. So I did. So that way, if anybody came to me with some BS, I'm going to tell you no, because the regs say this. And that's kind of what happened. That's how I kind of became the whole sister soldier, because it was certain situations that happened. And I was quick to tell somebody, no, I'm not doing that because I don't have to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you can't make me do it because it's not in, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got really smart like that. And um, I always worked in higher ranks. And for some reason, like when I first went in, an E3, I was like an E3 in the E6 position. Well, I was an E2 in the E6 position. I was an E3 in the E7 position, and I was an E4 in the E8 position. Then I went to work for the command sergeant major and a two-star general, so I was really living it up then, right? Um, so, but I was always privileged to things that, you know, most people in my time and grade and service didn't have access to. And I think that's what really, I say, really traumatized me because I learned way too much too quick. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, it seems like with other people where they got a chance to really stay in their where they was at, they it, it, you got the groom, you know, groomed to that point. But me, I was thrown in it, and I was like, ooh, you know. And then they would say, well, uh, can you know, you can't tell the rest of your. Now I got a whole secrets. Now I got you know, what I mean? it's all this stuff. And then not only that, so I got this side over here, you know, where who I work for and what I'm doing my job. I mean, I'm taking care of fifteen hundred soldiers in a brigade and all this stuff. And then over here, my peers were hating on me because I did get certain privileges for some of the things that I had did. So it put me in a really awkward, you know, type situation where I was always, you know, in situations. So we got four minutes. I want to just talk about when you got out. What was your feelings before you got out? Before or or after? No, before you like right before you got out. What was your feelings like when it was almost time to get out? I'm this short. That's all I can remember. I'm this short. I don't have to be any tall. But my my thing was I wanted to take um, my maturity and make something out of it. Okay. And my my I guess at that time we on the program Sky High Reagan was in charge that first time. Mm-hmm. So no jobs were out there, which is why I went back in. And but the second time I came out, my thing was appreciate the things I have more like because I spent a lot of time on the ocean in a small boat. Right. So I got to learn to appreciate my family more. Mm-hmm. My, my, I lost my grandma while I was out there. All that kind of stuff, you know, goes right. on. You started saying, you know, family is a little more important. Right. So you just start wanting to be closer then. That kind of happened to me, too, about the family. What about you, Micah? Uh, same thing. I um, was a little nervous getting out just because the transition from civilian life or from military life to civilian life can be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, that structure, the camaraderie within with your friends. Um, but the, a big difference too, while being in, is having that older mentor, mentor those younger sailors and younger soldiers as well. So right. that's really key, I think, with helping people make it through, it, taking people under your wing. Thinking about, yeah. What that's about right. you, Lashine? Man, I could not wait to get out. I was <laughs> counting the minutes, like till I could submit my paperwork, because mm-hmm. I was so ready to just go in a different direction. Like I told you, I've always been that person who kind of, you know, leads my down my own road. And so if you know anything about the stuff I've done since I've been out, you you know that I just had a bigger frame of mind and, and things that I wanted to get done and accomplish. Now, I didn't want to forget, 
you know, the, the things I learned in the military, which is why, you know, I started my nonprofit. But I still wanted to, to expand and grow and build on top of everything that I actually accomplished and learned while I was in. But I couldn't wait and, to go. And I'm glad you said that. What's the name of your nonprofit? Blanket of Freedom. Blanket of Freedom. And I think yeah. it should be on my site. Um, tell everybody what's the website. It's www.blanketoffreedom.org. Okay. And we are an organization that um, supports veterans living with mental illness uh, okay. using dramatic and expressive therapeutic options. All right. And then, Micah, you got, what, what do you have going on? Uh, my nonprofit organization is MBS Cares, and our primary goal is to help underprivileged kids get into extracurriculum activities, um, including sports or a science club or robotics club. And it's also um, geared towards providing young young students with uh, tutoring and counseling as well. Can you have a dojo? Yes, ma'am. MBS Karate, Covington, Georgia, world champion and national champions, but more importantly, we're raising honor roll students, 95% honor roll students. Website? www.mbskarate.com. And um, also, big shout out to all the military families, the that's kids, right. the that's wives right. and husbands that so we that gotta, it. we got to go ahead and sign out. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Next week, we'll be back. We're going to get a little bit more deeper. And you'll see by the time I get to PTSD while we're having these conversations. So join us next week. For those who serve, salute. Thank you for making Life Radio an important part of your evening. Please join Victoriously Speaking, also known as Nicole Benton, Licensed Professional Counselor, for another edition of the program next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Here's to living independently for excellence.